if you've been with us for the past few weeks, you'll know that we've been going through the book of Luke. Uh, we've been going through it for the past few years, and we finally made it to chapter 12. Today we're going to be talking about verses 22 to verse 34. And uh, I might be referring a little bit to last week's sermon. If you weren't here with us last week, I'll fill you in on the parts you need to know. Uh, but Jesus is talking about, he's talking to his disciples, the people who've been following him for a few, like a couple of years at this point in the story, right? And these people are at a point right now where it's like you're all in or you're all out. You, there's no middle ground, okay? And so when it comes to following me, I want to tell you, like, here are some ways you hang on to me rather than just letting go and saying, okay, I throw in the towel, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. So Jesus is giving us some pointers. And so far, he's been talking about how fear has been the number one culprit. It, like, because you're afraid of something that might happen to you, or the reputation you might gain, or the things you might have to give up, you're like, I don't know if I want to follow Jesus anymore. And so last week, we talked about fear, how Jesus wants us to deal with fear, which is somehow connected to greed. Today, we're going to be talking about just this, in general, this topic of worrying. Okay, so let's take a look. Chapter 12, verse 22. Let's start. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry, which is so easy to say. It's like, I'm worried. How about this? Do not worry. Done. Deal. Done. You're like, deal with. No. No, he's like, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about what your, uh, what your body, uh, about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. So Jesus says, I, I, I see what you're worried about. You're worried that you might lose everything. In the process, you might not be able to survive. You might lose your food, which is a necessity, or clothes, which is also a necessity. And he's like, don't worry about it. Now, I want to highlight a section of this passage <clears throat> right here, the last line right here. It says, for life is more than food, the body more than clothes. So what he's saying here is, and it might be a little cryptic to some of you, but let me just simplify for you. Next slide. He's saying that the goal is life, not things God uses to sustain it. And this might be like, yeah, I totally understand what you're saying, Jesus. I get it. Okay. But he kind of dives deeper into this idea. So uh, to make it simple, I, I made it, you know, simplified it. Here you go. So in some circles, people say the reason I'm, I'm alive today is so that I, I could accumulate food and clothes and riches and whatever else you want to add to that list, right? I live to accumulate goods. But what Jesus is saying is, he's like, no, it's the opposite. It's the other way around. He says this, no, no, no. We have food. We have clothes. We have all these things so that we can live, so that we have life. So the order is a little different. And so this is what he's saying. In the last part of that verse we just talked about, he says, if you are worried about life, it's because you got these two things mixed around. It's not about, you know, you don't live to eat. You eat to live. There's a difference between the two right? And if your whole life is about, I want to make sure I have as much as I can, if you're playing that game, then you have so much to worry about. Does that make sense? Because he's saying, if it's all about accumulation, then all it takes is someone to take those things away, and now your, your life is filled with worry, right? But if food is just something that's supposed to sustain you so that you can live the life that God had called you to live, then that's a different story. That's a different game you're playing. And there is less worrying in that life than in the, in the first one. So, he, he kind of goes into like illustration mode. He's like, okay, let me give you some illustrations. Let me give you some homework assignments. Let me, let me tell you what you can do if you ever find yourself playing this game that leads you to worrying. And now these, okay, he gives you two, he gives, you, he gives us two assignments. And these two assignments, for the first time I read through it, I was like, really, Jesus, that's what you want us to do? Like, 
Really? Like, that's really going to help us with this worrying situation? And, and, and to be honest with you, the first time I read through it, I'm like, this isn't really going to help me. I don't know who else it's going to help, but I'm sure it's not going to help me. But then I dug deeper into it. And what I discovered is that there's a very Jewish culture that's, cultural thing that's, that's at play here. And so I want to walk you through that right now because it's amazing what Jesus comes to. So here's the first assignment. He says, consider the ravens. There you go. Go consider the ravens and you're going to be worry-free. <laughs> no, okay, am I the only one that thinks this is strange? Okay. <laughs> now, the New Testament is written in Greek, right? And so in the Greek language, the word consider, it doesn't mean to ponder about something. Okay, so I could just sit there and just be like, ah, the ravens. Oh, there they go, flying away. No, 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 no. The word there means to observe. It means to take note on, to research. What he's saying is, go outside, okay? Not, don't, don't look at ravens on your little dinky phones, right? No, no, no. Or if you get the Pro Max, then it's a bigger one. But, you know, like, go outside and sit in nature and look at the ravens flying around. Now, if you don't have a raven in your neighborhood, then you might have to fly somewhere else to see it. But I'll give you a, 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 a picture, not a physical picture, but like an idea, an image of what that might look like. Because in those days, in the Jewish culture, ravens were considered to be unclean. That means they were worthless. They had no worth, okay? Not only that, they were also known <coughs> to be careless birds that would create nests, fly off, and they fail to return to their nest, so they have to go and create another nest somewhere else. I mean, these are careless animals. And Jesus says, I want you to consider, go and watch, go and observe, go and take note, do research on ravens. Why? Well, he's like, well, whatever the reason is, which we'll talk about in a few minutes, that will lead you to this conclusion. It says, they do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. The ones that these animals that people you know, neglect, right? These birds that people really don't care too much about because they're unclean or they're worthless or you know, whatever the case may be, right? It's like, take a look at them. As careless as they are, they somehow find ways to eat because God provides for them, right? And how much more valuable you are than birds. That's great. Let's keep going. Next verse. Who of you, by worrying, uh, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? So he says, go and look at the birds, and you'll come to the same conclusion that I came to. I'm like, okay, that's not the conclusion I would come to if I went out and looked at ravens. Okay, let's take a look at the second assignment. The second assignment is this. Consider, same word right there. Go and research. Go and take note. Do some research on how the wildflowers grow. So he's like, first thing, go look at ravens. Number two, sit there and look at grass grow. Look at these wildflowers grow. See how they're growing. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Again, Jesus, I don't really see how this is going to help me with my worrying. Now, just so that you guys understand what Jesus is talking about, when he's talking about wildflowers, there's a variety of flowers in Israel at the time that you might be talking about. But scholars think it's the purple anemone. I think that's what it's called. This is a picture of it. Flowers in Israel.com. You can take a look at it there. <clears throat> okay. But you see how beautiful it is? And you know, see how, how bright purple it is also? He's saying that King Solomon, who was a king, who will wear a robe that was probably purple, he's saying, look at how well-dressed, how beautiful this flower is that God created. No matter how much wealth Solomon has, it will never look as beautiful as this flower, right? And then he continues his thought. If that is how God clothes the, gra uh, the grass of the field, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? He says, like, look, these flowers last for just a season, right? You last for more than a season. So, so you're worth more in God's eyes than this, these flowers of those ravens. And then at the end, he says, you of little faith, to which I would say, Jesus, are those fighting words? Like, I, <laughs> like I'm worrying right now, and, and you're throwing this insult at me, you know, right? So what is Jesus trying to say here? What is he trying to teach us by telling us to go out to nature and observe the bird, the raven, and look at the flowers? Like, what is he trying to teach us from this? <clears throat> so Jesus' solution for worrying is basically observe the birds and plants, right? What is that supposed to do? Now, this is the part where I'm going to get very culturally, uh, I'm going to go into cultural context here. Jesus was Jewish. He is Jewish. He was Jewish, okay? And what, what that means is he grew up in a Jewish family. And his audience he's speaking to in this part of the book of Luke, Luke, right, they are also people who grew up in Jewish families. And so these, pe- these kids who grew up in Jewish families had mothers who would, who would do what a Jewish mother would do back then, which is the, the mother, in Jesus' case would be Mary, Mary would, since Jesus was a baby, would recite poetry to their kids. That's what mothers did back then. And these poems are usually from a section of the Bible, okay, called the Book of Psalms. There's a whole bunch of poetry there. Mary would be singing these songs, these poetry to Jesus as a baby. And then that other person that was Jewish right there who's listening to Jesus, his mother will also be reciting these psalms to these kids as they grew up. So they were very aware. There's 150, in some Bibles there's more, right, <clears throat> psalms, poetry in the, in, in, the, in the Bible. And Jesus, when he says, look at the birds, look at the grass, look at the flowers, look at nature, at this point, the people who are listening to Jesus speak, they knew right away that Jesus was making a reference to one of the psalms in the Old Testament. Well, which one is that? Well, <clears throat> before I show you which one that is, okay, when Jesus is talking about the flowers and the, and the you know, birds and all that kind of stuff, people immediately think creation. They think about how God created the world. And when God created the world, right, you're like, oh, I know where, look, I know where in the Bible that is. That's Genesis chapter 1. I'll just go to Genesis chapter 1. And I'll read through it. Like, okay, I see how God created the world. But did you know that's not the only place in the Bible that talks about how God created the world? As a matter of fact, there's a psalm in the, in, in the Bible, there's a, there's a poem in the Bible that expands on that. So this is like the extended cut, right? So I'm going to share that with you. I'm not going to read the Bible, the NIV version of the Bible that I usually do, because I'm going to be reading off a version of the Bible called The Message, which is a guy named Eugene Peterson wrote it, and he was like a mastermind of the Psalms. And so I'm going to read his translation of it because <clears throat> it's more artistic in the way he, he, he translates it. So here we go. This is the Psalm that people will be thinking about when Jesus talked about the birds and uh, the grass. You, that's God, <clears throat> started the springs and rivers, sent them flowing among the hills. All the wild animals now drink their fill, wild donkeys quench their thirst, Along the riverbanks, the birds build nests. Ravens make their voices heard. Okay, so, so far, he's, this person is singing a song to God about how he created the world. Next verse. You water the mountains from, <coughs> excuse me, you water the mountains from your heavenly cisterns. Earth is supplied with uh, plenty of water. You make grass grow for the livestock, hay for the animals that plow the ground. Next verse. <coughs> oh, yes. God brings grain from the land, wine to make people happy. Their face glow with health. 
a people well-fed and hearty. God's trees are well-watered, the Lebanon cedars he planted. And then next verse, birds build their nests in those trees. Look, the stork at home in the treetop, mountain goats climb about the cliffs, badger burrow among the rocks. Now, when you are told these stories, these psalms, these poetries, right, these poems, as you are growing up, do you believe that when God created the world, do you believe that God created plenty for all his creation to survive on? Yes. You will never, after hearing these songs all your life, you will never think that there is a scarcity of, of resources. You will always think there's an abundance, right? So when Jesus says, take a look at the birds, take a look at the trees, take a look at the flowers, he's not saying, you know, you know like, just think about it. He's saying, remember how God created the world. As a matter of fact, there's another psalm, Psalm 104. This is how that goes. What a wildly wonderful world, God. You made it all with wisdom at your side, made earth overflow with your wonderful creation. Oh, look, the deep, wide sea, brimming with fish past counting, sardines and uh, sharks and salmon. Next part. He says, ships plow those waters and Leviathan, your pet dragon, romps in them. All the creatures look ex- uh, expectantly to you to give them their meals on time. You come and they gather around. You open your hand and they eat from it. I mean, you could just see the image that they're trying to portray of who God is. God created the world and he made it abundantly. He made it well. He, made it a, he, ma- he did a great job when he made the world, so much that the, all the animals are well fed. And then in Psalm 147, he said, he covers the sky with clouds. He supplies the earth with rain and makes grass grow on the hills. He provides food for the cattle and for the young ravens when they call. <clears throat> Do the animals have plenty? In the mind and the imagination of these Jewish people who are listening to Jesus teach, the answer is yes. Do people have plenty? In the story that, that they were told, this narrative that they're a part of growing up, the answer is Yes. So when the solution for worry, when Jesus says, observe the birds and plants, he's not just saying, go take a look at them. It's supposed to remind them of something they were taught as children, which is this. Remember that God is a generous host. God isn't being stingy. <clears throat> now, at that point, you're probably like, yeah, but cots, I've seen dead birds before. <laughs> I've seen starving cats before. You know, I know, I know, I, I don't know people personally, but I've read stories and I've seen videos and movies of kids overseas who are starving. Like, how, how do you explain that? Is Jesus, like, blocking that part <laughs> out of his mind? He's like, oh, I'm not going to listen to that part of the world, but I want to let you guys know, America, you guys have plenty. You know, like, is that what he's doing? No, no, because Jesus is very well aware of hungry people. As Jesus is walking through Israel, he comes across people who are hungry, right? So it's not like he's ignoring the dying birds and stuff like that. What is he saying here? Well, it goes back to creation. See, so when Jesus says, take a look at the birds, take a look at the grass, look at the flowers, he's saying, remember how God created the world. He created the world to be abundant. But then if you go through the book of Genesis, you'll discover in chapter 3, something weird happens. You see, because in Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world, right? And then a a chapter after that, Adam and Eve, they have kids, okay? And one of the kids feel kind of left out because the other one seems to be favored, which is not the case, but that's what, you know, 
Anyways, <laughs> that's what Cain thinks is happening, right? And then that pattern follows through the whole book of Genesis, one being chosen over the other. So Abraham being chosen over Ishmael, right? We have Joseph being chosen over his brothers. We have um, all these examples in the Bible, uh, one wife being chosen over another. You know, so there's, there's all these examples in the book of Genesis where one seems to be favored over the other, but God keeps saying it's not a favor issue. One is given more so that that person could use the resources that person has to bless everybody else. That's the pattern that God wants to set. Instead, the person who gets one gets more. The other one looks at that and says, well, there's a scarcity of things. I'm going to hoard as much as I can. So what Jesus is saying is, if you see hunger in the world, it's not because God is not generous. It's because some people in this world have hoarded as much as they can. They play that game that says, life is to hoard as much as I can. Life is for food, not food is for life. He's saying life is for food. So he says, if you see somebody hungry in the streets, it's not because God is not generous. It's because somebody somewhere has held back on the things that God has called them to distribute. And so Jesus continues his teaching in verse 29. And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world, now the word, I don't like this translation here, pagan world, <coughs> In the Greek language, this is the word ethne, where we get the word ethnos or ethnic. They're talking about people who are outside of our country or outside of our belief system or outside of you know, what we consider to be normal. He's saying people who don't follow, who don't track with the way that God wants us to deal with the resources that we have, they run after all, the, all such things, and your father knows that you need them. So he, he tells us, the reason why there's a lack of things in certain parts of the world is because there are people in this world who are trying to grab as much as they can and hold on to as long as they can. Remember last week, and this is the part I referred to the last sermon, which some of you guys weren't here for, we talked about how God wants us to enjoy the things that he's given us, right? But there's also excess. There's stuff that goes extra over, over the things that God, the, the things you need to survive on. So I said, God wants us to enjoy the things he's given us, he wants us to save for whatever we want to enjoy in the future. But anything above that, he says, you need to give it away, right? And so here he says, there's some people in this world who don't give things away. They know that they don't need it, right? But they hold on to it anyways. And because of that, there's hunger in this world. Then he says this, but this is what I want you to do. Seek his kingdom and do these things uh, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He says, so this is what, you, what I want you to do. With the stuff that he's given you, right? Live off of it, save whatever the case may be, right? What the excess is I want you to do. I want you to start following, tracking with what God is doing in this world. What is he doing? What is he doing in this world? How is he expanding his kingdom on this world? How is he bringing heaven on earth? And once you start to seek that kingdom, once you start to see what God is doing, and you start to put your resources towards that, then you'll start seeing the whole system fall into place. So he says, don't be afraid, little flock. He's using shepherd language here. He's saying, you know, <clears throat> I'm here to look over you. I'm not here to take away things that will make you, you know, suffer or anything like that. I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to make you desolate. I'm here to take care of you, but I have other sheep I have to take care of. And the way that you're hoarding your stuff is restricting resources for going into the world. And Jesus is saying, when you look at the ravens, when you look at the grass, when you look at the flowers, and it reminds you of these stories of the Old Testament, these poems that your mom used to tell you, it will remind you that what you have is not your own, that it's all a gift from God, and God expects you to use it in the way 
that would be in line with how God wants to see the world operate. So with the stuff that you have excess, this is what he says. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now, the phrase right there, to the poor, I know you're learning a lot of Greek words today. It's, it's the phrase, elene uh, mosune. I don't know if I said that right. <laughs> but it means to give to charity, give, to, give mercifully, give to people who are in need. And in this case, this translator said the poor, which is also in that category, but does not limit to that. That means give mercifully. If, if you see somebody in need, give it to that person. If you see, somebody, uh, if you see something that's going to contribute to something that's, you know, that's going to bring heaven on earth, give to that. He's saying the money that you have, the resources, the food, the clothes you have, yes, it's for you to enjoy, but it's also for you to give away. So sell it and give it to those people. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will, not, will, that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroy. He says, if you hold on to the stuff that you have, right? Meaning if you are all about gathering and holding on, hoarding, if that's, all, that's your game you're playing, all it takes is for somebody to come in and take the stuff away and now you're worrying again right? Or if you're all about hoarding and holding on and it starts to rot or the moths eat it away, then you start worrying again. It's because you're playing the wrong game, right? He's like, instead, I want you to start investing in things that are eternal, eternal things, right? For example, if you give something away to rebuild a friendship, that friendship is forever. Yes, that person might die, but Jesus would say, but in the next life, right, the world to come, you will have that established relationship, right? So it's like these, there's some things like love that is forever, it's eternal. And instead, you're trying to hold on to things that are just going to benefit you for this world. So he says, make sure that when you invest in something, it's investing in something that is eternal, not just something for now that will only benefit you. And then he concludes by saying, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Not the other way around. It's not where your heart is, that's where your treasure is going to be. It says where your treasure is, your heart follows. So remember this thing I, I showed you right here, life, food, you know how people who look at it, they look say like, oh yeah, life is all about acquiring as much stuff as possible. And Jesus says, no, it's the other way around. That God gives you these resources so you can live your life, right? But then he adds another part that we just read right now. He says, and he gives you life from food and you know, clothes and all that stuff. He gives you stuff so that you could have a life, but your life isn't just so you could live your life. Your life exists so that you could actually get it put into eternal things right? The food that you have today. It's for your enjoyment, yes, right? But then that food will give you sustenance for life. You don't have to go hungry. You get to eat. You, you get to live another day. But it's not just so that you could live another day. It's so that with that life, you could give into the things that have eternal meaning, everlasting things, into broken relationships, into people who can't afford housing, into people who can't have clean water, into the environment that's falling apart. Whatever it is, whatever it is, he says this life is not just for you. God gave you the food and the stuff, and so the life you have is also not your own. And so God says, so with the life that you have, I want you to go and put it into something that will contribute to the kingdom that I'm trying to build here on earth. So to summarize, what he's saying here is worry comes from misplaced goals. If your goal is to hoard and to accumulate as much as you can, your life will be filled with worry. Because all it takes is for a moth to come in and start eating away at your clothes or 
or a thief to come in and take away some of the things you've been trying to accumulate, and now you're filled with worry. But if your life is not about accumulation, but it's about investing in eternal things, then he says, then worry starts to go out the window. You don't have to worry about worry anymore. <coughs> and like I said, this passage is, is supposed to be read together with the passage we went over last week. And he says, what you need to remember in all this is that I want you to remember that everything that you have right now is a gift. It's a gift. Everything you have is a gift. To say, that's mine, this land is mine, that food is mine, Jesus says, that's the wrong conversation to have. It's, it's his, how do you want me to distribute it, God? Everything you have is a gift. And so <clears throat> Jesus says, you could leave behind the life of worry if you could let go of the game that you're playing of hoarding and see how much you could accumulate, who could have the biggest car, who could have the nicest clothes. If you could just leave that behind, most of your worries would start going away. Because everything you have is a gift. <clears throat> 